Awesome. Well, thank you, Samara, once again for leading us. And hello, everybody. Good morning. It's great to be with you guys today. And today we are beginning a brand new series called Realign. Realign. And I don't know what, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and switch. I need the mic. <laughs> okay. Oh, that sounds better. I like that. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to go two-handed today. This should be really interesting because I like to be uh, demonstrative, so we'll see how this goes. Um, but anyway, we're beginning a new series called Realign, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to uh, talk about this. We're, you know, you think about the word alignment, realigning. It means that something then is out of alignment. I don't know what you think of when it comes to uh, something being out of alignment, but you know, a car car is one thing that uh, comes to mind. Uh, if, now, if what's interesting is it's really hard. Now, you may need to pull me down a little bit, guys. Uh, it may be it's if it's a little hard in Jersey City uh, to know if your car is out of alignment because the roads here are just insane, right? Like, <laughs> you drive a car here, if your car is out of alignment, you'll have no idea because you're just hitting lots of bad roads. But if you get out into the open road, uh, I don't know if you know this, but technically, if you're driving your car, you should be able, I know this sounds scary, but take your hands off the steering wheel. I know you guys would never do that uh, or drive with your leg or anything, you guys, but you're supposed to take it and your car should keep going straight. So how do you, so you know if you do that and you let it keep going, it will either veer to the right or the left. That's how you know that, oh, it's out of alignment. So that's one of the things. Or maybe you think about like going to the chiropractor, like my back is off, something's not right. And so they'll say, you know, you know, we need to get you aligned up like that, you know, so then they do all these crazy things that you see like on some kind of random like CIA movie where they take your neck and they cock it sideways in the movies that kills you. But at the chiropractor, they're like, all right, now you're good. Here's uh, pay me $100 and now you're on your way. And so you get aligned, everything. Or maybe you've just been on a bad you know, diet for a while. You just not had good eating habits. And so your stomach is off, your body is off. And you're like, I need to kind of reset, get things realigned. And we, we kind of I feel like as we are engaging the year right now, we, we kind of need that. You know, 2020 happened, and we just survived that. In 2021, we're trying to figure out how to get back to it, and now we're in 22, and things you know, are sort of like, like and, and I think it's just a good opportunity to say, you know what, let's just remember. And when you align something up, you need something that says, this is how it's supposed to be. So you have a template laid out. And you kind of stack things on top of each other and say, okay, this isn't right, this isn't right. I don't know if you remember back in the old, I guess this still happens in some way on computers. You would like do a defrag. I don't know, like, you know, and it would show you like really weird lines and, and supposedly your computer's lining it up. But it was, you know, it's going back to the template of, okay, this is how it's supposed to be. And your, and your computer kind of does this and you're just hoping that it'll run faster. Things have gotten a lot better now. You don't really have to do that anymore. Maybe you do with PCs. I'm not trying to be a snob, but I just don't use PCs, so I don't know. That might still happen. Uh, I know they, they like to be a little old school. Uh, but anyway, uh, so there you have it. So we're going to line up. So, so uh, you know, I'm not suggesting that you need this in your life, but maybe I am. Maybe I am suggesting that maybe you need this. But, you know, honestly, I do. And I think one of the things that we come back to, and if, you, if, you, if you're living your life, eventually you, you really get to three, two main questions. Is One is, why am I alive? 
Why am I alive? And what am I supposed to do with my life? Why am I alive? And what am I supposed to do with my life? And what's amazing is God does lean into those questions and gives us directions and speaks. So what I want to do in this series is we're we going to gauge this over the next several weeks is, is talk a lot about the purposes for your life that God has given you and, and, and talk about this as a church family as well. Like God has, how God has directed us here as a church in Jersey City and how we love this city. And you know, one of the things that we're called as a church to be is to do is to go. Uh, if you ever go through, our, if you come to our welcome gathering that we have a couple times a month, or if you if you come to belong our membership class, we talk about these these purposes God has given us. One is to go, and so uh, Sylvia is going to talk about this in depth later. But we're uh, in in three weeks. We're going to be doing Go Jersey City, and that's one of our biggest events of the year. Um, and it's basically a way that we love the city. It's we it's it's all from DCC, and so uh, you need to mark your calendars on Saturday, June eleventh. Uh, we're going to go and serve. We have, we give, you get a free t-shirt and we join with our neighbors and then we go and serve several different organizations for a couple of hours and make a huge impact. And we're done. We all gather for a big after party, uh, probably on the Porta roof deck this year. And we just, we just love to engage this city in the love. That's coming up soon. It's one of our purposes. It's one of the things that we believe God has called us to do. And so speaking of that word called, that's actually what I want to talk about today. And I want to read one of the promises that we have in Scripture. And a lot, if you've been a Christ follower for a while, you've gone to church at all, in your life at all, you've heard this verse. And so I want to read this Scripture verse. But we usually leave the second part out. So I'm only read the first part here. This is found in Romans 8.28. It says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. We love to hear that. In all things God works... But we leave out a lot of times the second part where it says, it says, who have been called according to his purpose. That in all things, God is working for the good for those that love him. A lot of times we like to read that verse and say, God just makes everything happen good in your life. Like, and no, it's, he's, he's working all things in all circumstances, and especially tough or hardships or whatever maybe. He, he, he loves to work in all things. And it says this, who have been called according to his purpose. And there's two huge words there, is called and purpose. Calling and purpose go together. And you'll be amazed. I'm going to be doing this, it's reading through it a lot. Today. This is all throughout scriptures. And the word call is interesting. It's like, what do, you, what do you and I think about when it comes to this word? What do you think of called? We think of I would say, for me, at least, interruptions, a phone call, right? Like phone, I don't, like, I do a lot of texting, um, and so I'm not a huge fan of getting phone calls. I mean, you don't call me, like, <laughs> but, but, you know, usually it's spam. You're like, you, I'm almost afraid to answer the phone now because I don't know, like, you look at this number, like, well, I'm expecting a call, but is this my auto warranty dude again calling me? Like, I'm not sure, and I answer it, and like, yep, it is. Like, cause it, maybe it's the doctor's office calling or our kids' school, um, you know, that's a, if you're a parent, like, you almost got to answer it. So, you know, we think of interruptions, you know, or we're thinking, what, 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 what's gone wrong? Uh, or you're busy, and you don't want to be interrupted. Or you're relaxing, and you don't want to, you, you, so you're like, you're, you're, it's, you know, it's an interruption either way. Or it's bad news, or you're just tired. 
Maybe for your job, you have to talk on the phone all the time, and so like, like you, you almost don't even like touching. But I think that's what we associate with this word called. And so we're just going to kind of like help us understand this because it's way different. There is a purpose that God is seeking you out. He's, he's created you for something. And I just want to walk through that today. And I would say for many of you in your relationship with God, Maybe not many of you, but some of you here today, this, this may be a new thing that you're hearing. And for all of us, we need to be reminded of this. And so this is really a foundation for us as we engage this upcoming series together. He goes on to say in Romans 8.30, Paul is writing this. He says, he says those God chose, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Now, to forgive me, I've, you know, I've got called, just, just kind of pointing it out in all these scriptures that we're reading. And these are huge words we're reading, by the way, big words like justified and glorified. And hopefully over the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to kind of help those words come out for us. But today, I want to, be, I want to have our focus be on called, this word called. Now listen, I'm not a scholar. I'm not a biblical scholar in any kind of way. Just so you know, I always like to give that disclaimer. Um, but the, you know, the, the word that this came out of, this Greek word is called kaleo. And I'm probably not pronouncing that right. Um, but it's used over a hundred times in the New Testament to describe God's purpose, His assignment, and His reason for whatever's happening in your, in your life. It's used 10 times more than purpose. And that's just the, what we have, the New Testament scriptures alone. All the scriptures we have coming out of Jesus' life, and the instructions that we come, come out of that. And then you also have like the Old Testament pointing towards everything towards Christ is full of this as well. And we think many times when we hear it in this context, we think about our jobs or our career. And the word career actually came out of vocation. When you go back to the Latin root of these words, again, I'm not a big literary guy, just so you know, but, but like we, the, what, we've, what we've kind of whittled our job down to, our career, it's so much less of what vocation entitles. It's this idea of this all-encompassing thing, a part of who you are, a part of your life in some kind of way. And calling is really like, it really, it's almost it'd be even bigger than that. That there's a direction in your purpose and, and your career will change. But your calling doesn't. We'll get into that here in just a little bit. And so when we look at Scripture, starting with the Old Testament Scriptures, this story, it's a story of people following God and His pursuit of them. And all of this is leading up to Jesus' life. And when He came, God came down to us to show us who He is and to love us and give His life for us. We see a story of people answering God's call. And so we have all these characters, and what's amazing is they're not perfect people. In fact, they're many times very broken, and God has been using all of that. Like, they totally, like, see Him work in amazing ways, and they still reject Him, and they still do these awful, make these awful decisions, and they go through the pain and the punishment of that. But God, in His grace and His love and mercy, is constantly coming back and restoring them and using it all, and this story is, is happening. And so we see this with Noah and Abraham, with Moses, with Esther. We talked about her recently, and Mary or David, or Paul, or whatever. You can just fill in the blank with all of these people, this story that if people of answering his call upon them. 
And it hasn't stopped. He's still pursuing you in that today. And so I, I love this. In, in, in Ephesians, here's what Paul says. Ephesians is, Paul is writing to this new church. It was in Ephesus that formed not too long after Jesus' resurrection when he ascended into heaven. And, and Paul is writing to this church in this letter. He says this to them. This is Ephesians 1. He says, My prayer is that light will flood your hearts and that you will understand the hope that was given to you when God called you. Then you will discover the glorious blessings that will be yours together with all of God's people. It's an incredible statement. That you will understand the hope that was given to you when you were called. Now, just so you know, you'd be like, well, what is God's calling off me? Well, he's, he's gifted you. He's given you passions. And I think that we're scared that God's call is going to be like, all right, now you go and become like Mother Teresa did. And you indenture yourself and you give up everything. And like, oh, like I think that's what we're scared of. And so I just want you to set that aside. Uh, now, some of you, that might be your passion, and that gets you excited, but that, like, that's not everybody's calling. If that was, I mean, we'd have nobody in the workplace, nobody to do. So, it's like, God has gifted us in many different types of ways, and so I just want to understand that the call, that's not necessarily what God is saying. In fact, people come to me and say, I think that God's calling me to be a pastor. Like, I've had to do that, like, and I'll say, don't do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. That's one of the first things that I will say out loud to them is, yeah, you probably should. Because number one, if they're called, they'll keep pushing through that. Number one, like they're gonna, they're gonna do that. They're, they're gonna, they're like, no, no, that's a terrible. Like, it's, but for some reason, everybody thinks that for me to be really godly, I've got to go into ministry as a vocation full time and all these different things. And I, I just want to say that's not easy to do. All your flaws get to be put in display in front of everybody. You can, see, you know, our leaders here and those who serve with us get to see all my weaknesses and 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 there's so that, yeah, it's not an easy thing to go into. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Uh, anyway, I don't know why that was not part of what I was going to say today, but anyway, there you go. So how do we? So how do we understand this? What I want to do is walk us through. Uh, what we see in Scripture through God's calling. And so I don't want to make you nervous, uh, but, I, but I do have a timer. I do keep track of my time, but uh, just for, if, especially if you're new here, so this can help you relax. But I'm going to walk through eight things, eight things that we see in God's calling upon us. Now, that's a lot of points. Like, any of you guys who do, you know, presentations at your office, like, that would be a lot to walk through. And so just want to give you, you know, help you relax. But it also helps you know we're getting towards the end. And so, like, you know that this is coming. So usually I take longer in the first points, and then I speed up at the end. And that's just the way it goes. So here we go. Eight things that you need to know about your life's calling. This is so key for us because this gives you hope and purpose in all things. So number one, you ready? Here we go. My calling is a gift from God. It's a gift. You know, what is a gift? Gift is something that someone gives to you. You didn't earn it. They just like you. They love you. Like they, here, here is a gift for you. We love getting gifts. I don't know. Well, at least I do. It's so much fun to have somebody just kind of show up and hand you something, and especially if one is very thoughtful. We love getting gifts, and so it is a gift that God has given you. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. 
A gift is something that you don't work to do. It's graciously given to me by God. By the way, all these points today are for you. If you write this down, if you, you know, keep notes, this is for you. I'm going to put all of this from your perspective. So my calling is a gift from God. Listen to this in Galatians 1.6. It says, God, by his grace through Christ, has called you to become his people. Well, what is grace? Grace is undeserved kindness. Undeserved kindness. Your calling is a part of your salvation, a part of how God has redeemed you. When you become a Christ follower and you become his, your calling comes with it. In 2 Timothy, it says this, it says, He has saved us and has called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. It's not anything we've done, but it's out of his will, his desire for you and I. So that leads me to the second thing, is we see this here because it says his purpose if you're ever, you know, taking notes from that 2 Timothy 1.9 passage, that's a word to circle or to under, you know, highlight. Because the second thing is this, is I'm called for God's purpose. And this is a huge one because I think, number one, I think that we, a lot of times we think this means when, you know, if we're made for God, it means that, okay, he just wants me to come and do these rituals and say these prayers. And everything of our understanding of God is usually a lot of times around the church building, this structure and these, these rituals or events that you do. And that's not what God called us to. The, the original church was just a gathering of people. I had no buildings at all. It was about his purpose, his work in you. It's about a relationship that he's made you for and called you to. And God is the greatest thing, the greatest person that he could ever call you to be part of. Because he is love. As our creator, he is life. And so every great thing that you know about love, that comes from him. That's, that is who he is. So the love that we experience in the world, the life that we experience comes from him. And the greatest thing he can do is call you to be part of that. And so God has made you for his purpose. God didn't make you for you. God didn't make you for you. Now that's a kind of a culture bashing statement. He made you for himself. It's for his plan and purpose. Not your plan. I think I used to be scared to say that. But it's honestly the greatest thing that you, you are being called to do. Because his glory, his beauty is, is amazing. It's the greatest thing that we could pursue. He's not being arrogant. He's calling you into joy, into freedom, into love, forgiveness, purpose, all of that. Paul, in talking about this, he, he mentions the story of Jacob and Esau. This is in the Old Testament. These are twin, twin brothers. Before they were born, they were called into a purpose. It says, Romans 9 11, it says, he says, before the two boys were born, God told Rebekah, the older will serve the younger. This is before the boys had done anything, good or bad. And they did some 
Really crazy things, by the way. It's a fascinating story. Because God said this so that the one chosen would be chosen because of God's own plan. He was chosen because he was the one God wanted to call, not because of anything he did. That's fascinating. And maybe to you that sounds scary, but honestly, it, it, is, it, is, a, it is a place of freedom and of hope and of purpose, because that's what we honestly want. We want meaning. We want, to, we want to know that there's something real about our life. There's something incredible for us to be part of and to be called to. I remember around, it was around eighth grade. I was probably 13, 14 years old. I began to really sense God calling me into what I just said I'd tell everybody not to do. <laughs> but I loved him. I love being part of his church family. At the time, I did a lot of music stuff, and I thought that was the direction he was leading me, and I actually started off that way. And, and I just I remember so, so very real, like, like believing God was calling me to serve him in ministry. And that that's, was very real to me. And that's it's part of the passion of what I, what I do even now. It's amazing. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't that interesting? I don't know if that, that lights up in your heart and all, or at all. I love the word workmanship. Workmanship, like, it, it's, it talks about this, this, this creative craft it's like writing a poem or creating some type of artistic masterpiece. And God is someone who doesn't make junk. Like, he's, he's beautiful. He's making something incredible. And you are his masterpiece, his workmanship. Many of you here in our church family, you are makers. And you, you have incredible workmanship in what you do and the things that you create. And you take great pride in that. There's some great artists in our church. And you don't have to be considered or called to be an artist to, to take pride in your workmanship. Some of you have, we have all different types of jobs. Some of you take pride in that Excel sheet that you put together. Like, it's a work of art. There's things being linked and formulas and math equations happening that freak me out when I've seen this before. I don't know how this happens. Now I know, like, I know this could happen, but good luck figuring that out on YouTube, right? So, like, there's some workmanship in everything, So what about God? You are His. It says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. It's incredible. And you'll know that it says, prepared in advance. So that leads us to number three. is that God chose my calling before I was born. It's incredible. Galatians 1, this is all over Scripture, by the way. Galatians 1.15 says, It pleased God in His kindness to choose me and call me even before I was born. What undeserved mercy. And Paul was one who messed up. I'll get to that in a little bit. Paul needed God's mercy. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I shaped you in the womb, this is God's word to us through his prophet Jeremiah, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of the day, I had holy plans for you. Isaiah 44.2, 
God speaking through his prophet Isaiah said this. He goes, I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. He thought about you before you were born. What does this teach us? It teaches, number one, that I'm not an accident. It says, I'm not an accident. I am your creator. If you think, and this is so key, if you think your life is an accident, you'll live like that. You, you, we don't have this value of ourselves. It says that I'm deeply loved. I'm deeply loved. He says, you were in my care. And it also says that God planned my life before I was born. It's incredible. And, like, this speaks such value. I, I think I talked about this last week in a different context, but, like, we, we were a part of the New City Kids concert two, two weeks ago. A, group, a big group of us came and we experienced that. And, and New City Kids is this incredible after-school ministry that we love to support here in Jersey City. And they, they step into areas and un, underserved areas of our city, these, these urban environments where kids grow up in broken homes and, and, and there's gang activity around them, and, and they have this world that's just falling apart. And, they, and then there are stories that they share of their own redemption uh, they, they say, like, I didn't have hope. I didn't feel like I had any kind of hope or purpose. Like, because the world around me, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had value. And they stepped into this great organization that loved them like Christ loves us. And they say, you have incredible value. God has shown us this, that he's gifted you. He's made you for a purpose, and it changes their lives. It's generational change, and it's been happening for decades now. That is the power of who Christ is when he steps in to say to you that it's not an accident, that he loves you. He thought about you. That's incredible hope. And that's why Paul wrote what he did. We read earlier that you have this incredible hope in him. To which you might say, and I absolutely myself say and feel is, I think about all the accidents that I've done and the brokenness. So that leads us to the fourth thing, is that my sins and my mistakes don't change my call. My sins, my, and this is the beauty of God's grace. What Christ did for us makes this possible. My sins and my mistakes don't change my call. If you've ever written, read through the Old Testament, it can feel devastating because God gave a law to his people. He chose his people in a covenant to begin to engage this relationship. And so there, he, he introduced these penalties for sins, and they had to bring sacrifices over and over again. And, the, and, the, and, and the, there was this great brokenness. And you can feel devastated over the punishment that they would receive. And God was showing us how significant, how broken our sin is and how it actually it bring, it's brought death into our world, the decisions we've made. And so when Christ came, he became the once and for all ultimate sacrifice and it opened up a new covenant that we can now stand upon his covering. That's why we sing and celebrate him, because he has redeemed us fully and forgiven and we've been given a new name, brought back into his family. And we need to know that is significant. Because it means it doesn't matter how much you've messed up. We can stand and we can come back to him. 
We stand on his righteousness. Paul, Paul, you know, if anybody was an example of this, is Paul. He was essentially almost like a terrorist to Christianity. He was going after them and persecuting them. Listen to what he says about himself. This is found in 1 Timothy. He says, by, he says, by calling me into his service, Jesus had judged me trustworthy, even though I used to be a blasphemer and a persecutor and contemptuous. Mercy, however, was shown me because while I lacked faith, I acted in ignorance. Paul's like, I did a lot of dumb stuff. Like, I just, it was awful. I should, he used to be the last one. In fact, when, when Paul came to Christ, all the Christ followers were, like, really suspectful. They're like, no way. This is all a trick. They didn't believe him. Like, they all stayed away. And I, it's totally understandable. Jesus pulled him out of this and redeemed him. He had a purpose and a calling upon him. When I blow it in my life, and I do, we have to stand upon this truth and be reminded that God's call hasn't changed. He is leading me forward. That's his grace and mercy. It's amazing. It doesn't feel real sometimes when you fully understand that it's amazing. So he chose me before I was born, and my mistakes, my sins, doesn't change my call. And it really kind of works together with this next one. Number five is that it's permanent. Your calling is permanent. You're secure in him. It cannot be taken away from you. Now, here's the thing, and I alluded to this earlier. It's not your job. It's not your career. Your occupation may change many times. Maybe you've gotten a different degree. Now, part of your calling can be your career that actually can work together. Absolutely. That you've got has given you a gift and your passion, and sometimes that lines up, and it's beautiful. And I think when you experience that, it's a great thing. But things change, right? But your calling never changes. Romans 11.29 says this. Is God's gift and his calling are irrevocable. Maybe you say, well, that used to be what I did, but I messed up. And like, no, but God has gifted you in a specific way. And so this, I think, really begs the question, well, what is it? Like, what is that thing? And for me, it's pursuing him in, in ministry. For me, it came very specific as over time. Like, I wanted, wanted to be in the Northeast. This is the culture and the place that I love to be in. And the places where there are not many churches to go and to start and engage them. That came, began to be a very specific thing. I thought, actually, at one point I'd be going overseas. I loved engaging in different cultures. And that was something that I believe absolutely got put in my heart because I live in Jersey City, one of the most diverse places in our country. I feel like there's a kindred spirit there here, like that I feel more at home when I'm, when I'm around people that are not like me. There's gifts and things and passions that God has given me. My job sometimes has been employed doing this, and sometimes it's not. It's changed all over. It hasn't always looked exactly the same way. If you know my story here, I started working for a church that was based in Manhattan, and they had a Jersey City location, and they eventually shut that down out of the financial cri- crash in 2008. There was a lot to do that at the time, and so I lost my job. And what do you do? Like, my calling to be here and my purpose, it was, didn't change. And so we just, again, I started driving for a coffee roaster. I got hooked on really, really good coffee. And when I left that job, I was like, oh, no. I got to start paying for this stuff. 
But my calling was still the same. It's incredible. God has gifted you with passions. And sometimes, like, how do you discover that? How do you discover it? Was through community. It's through community. And that's that's the next thing here. Number six is your calling, my calling, is connected to others. It is connected to others. God has made you to be with others. We cannot fulfill it on our own. You can't fulfill your calling by yourself. Calling and community go together. And I love this because this is what the this is what Jesus did. His example to us is that he came here and he and, for, and he was he lived with us for 30 years before he even began his ministry. And then his ministry was just a lot the majority of his ministry was training others. For three years, he had a, a, a group, a larger group of maybe the 75 people that were around him. And then there's a, a little bit smaller group that he spent time with, about 30. And then there were 12 he was in relationship with. And then there were three, even beyond that, that he, he dove into even more deeply. He had a plan and a vision that he would one day ascend into heaven and send us out. And he had been developing and training. It was all on that. It's amazing to think about. And if, 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 if teaching us to love and all these things worked well in a classroom, like that's what he would have done. He would have held classes. And he did teaching to the masses. That, that was absolutely true. His example was living life side by side. He, he, he verbally called people out of all these different backgrounds and vocations into a purpose. And it baffled people. But it was through relationships that he's called us to be. When you step into community, God will begin to, re- to, to see these gifts come out from you. Romans 14, 7 says, none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. Ephesians 4, 4 says, we are all one body. We have the same spirit, and we have all been called to the same glorious future hope. Hebrews 3, 1, it says this to us and encourages us. It says, brothers and sisters, you are holy partners in a heavenly calling. We are better together. God, it, we're referred to in Scripture as, as a body, as, as like, like, like in, in one part can't say, oh, I can't, I don't need you. Like your eyes can see, like, sorry, I don't need you, feet. Like you can't take your arm off. It won't work. And the rest of your body, will st- unless you do something, is going to die. We need to be with one another. And that's how we are described as, as a church family together. And as you begin to engage his family, God uses you. Now, this doesn't mean that you live here 24-7 and you do this like, this is my full-time job. But, I mean, like, this is not what that means. But you, there's a place for you to engage and be part of his family. That's why we love doing Go Jersey City. It's an incredible place to be family together. To be family together and to love our city. So how do you get connected how do you get your calling connected? Well, you, it's through his church family, through his body. Find a way to get connected and take a step. Your calling is connected to others. And number seven, we'll go through quick through these last two. And, and they, all this begins to work together. But, but God, you, God empowers you. God empowers what he calls me to do. As you begin to take steps, he begins to, to empower you and work in your 
life. What God calls you to do, he equips and enables you to do. I, wasn't, I didn't know how to start a church. I knew we, we needed to. And, and in stepping out in faith, I had no idea what that would look like. And I had no idea God had been working this story in, in the city next door. In the time that I moved here, they started a church, and they had been started out of a church in, out in the suburbs of Jersey City, and of New Jersey. And then suddenly they were come, able to come along inside of me and train and lead me in a way like, and in the same vision and values, I just, I couldn't have created that story that he called me into that. He equipped me. And they, these leaders that are around, they pushed me out ahead of time. And I was like, I'm not ready for this. And God is calling and equipped. Like, I've never grown more spiritually as a person, as a human, whatever you want to say, as a father than I have as a lead pastor of a church. I've needed to depend upon God more than any other time in my life. He has equipped me as I've taken steps to follow him. And the same is true of you. Many of those who have served with us here in Jersey City have found such giftings. We have people change their careers because they've discovered passions that they had. They had no idea because they served in the kids' team. It's amazing what God will do. Ephesians 4 one says, I urge you to live the life to which God has called you. It's one of the reasons why we, we love being part of dinner groups well, we call you to serve, we call you into positions of leadership because God wants to use that in incredible ways. When you engage, you'll grow far more than just by sitting on your own or just participating in, in a group or serving team. When you take a step of faith to do more, it's incredible. And the number eight, the final one, we made it. Ready? There's a prize for living out my calling. There's a prize for living out my calling. We love getting prizes. We love getting gifts. We really like prizes. It's amazing how motivated we'll be uh, to spend tons of money for a tiny little prize, right? Like, like, but we love it. You offer candy to a kids in a classroom, like they'll do anything in the world for you, right? This is an amazing prize. God promises a reward that will last forever. Philippians 3.14 says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is the prize? It's sharing in God's glory forever. We get rid of the, the brokenness of our world. And everything that you and I long, the beauty that we wish that we had, the peace that we protest for, and everything we fight, like all those things, the justice we long to see all the time, God has promised to fully redeem us back into these things. There's a beauty which we know can be there. You've experienced it at times. There's a peace. That's being part of God's glory forever. It's incredible. First Thessalonians, it says, live the kind of life that pleases God, who calls you to share in his own kingdom and glory. That's incredible. He's calling you to share in this. It's like co-starring with God for eternity. It's amazing that for eternity we, we will share it with God. So we want to live out the calling. I believe there's a time when, we're, when we get to this, and it doesn't seem real right, but we'll wish we would have engaged more. Because of how incredible it is. And so my prayer for you is this. I'm going to end with this, this scripture today. 
Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, it says, I ask God to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do and grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for Christians, for Christ followers. This is a paraphrased version from the message. He's given you passions. He's gifted you. And in all the chaos of the world that we live in, all that we do to engage him, he's using. Even in our brokenness, you're invited into this beauty. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your purposeful love. I pray today as we hear all these words, all these points, that we would be open to the beauty and joy in which you've called us, the freedom that comes in knowing that you're using all things for your glory. May we experience that and love our city in that way. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.